We ready? Let's do it. We are ready. Excellent. Hi, everyone. I'm Dan. I'm Patrick. I'm Carrie. I'm the Papa. And welcome to the 1985 Academy Awards. We keep doing this. That's Uh, right, because we like it. Yep. It's fun. (laughs) This is If I Ran the Oscars, our podcast where we look at one film from each year that the awards were on TV. We look at what it won for, and then three other awards chosen at random. And this year we have again low-rolled and picked a film that did not win a ton of awards. Uh, This year our big shot was Amadeus, which was nominated for 11 awards and won eight. Mm -hmm. Must have been disappointing to be the movie A Passage to India, which was nominated for 11 awards and won two. Oh dear. So, yeah. sucks yeah. to be them. Yeah. But we got a movie that won one award. And I swear, I did randomly roll it. He's and, a good boy. He, and he doesn't lie. It's <laughs> very topical for us where we live because we rolled Purple Rain. Now, a question I thought of right at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Is Prince the most successful Minnesotan ever? Like, across all talents and measures of success. Is Prince the most successful Minnesotan? In terms of dollars? I mean, in terms of however their particular success is metric. Who was the guy? Uh, how about Lonnie Anderson on Baywatch? WKRP in Cincinnati. WKRP. No. How no, about who was the guy who was on Mission Impossible? Peter Graves. Yeah. No. How about how about his brother on on um uh, um is wasn't it? No. no. Have any of them performed no. at the Super Bowl? No. <laughs> I don't know that the Super Bowl is the end all. No. But I don't. I think he would be right up there. I, I mean, if we're talking politics, like well, like, Walter Mondale. Yeah, Mondale and Humphreys. Humphrey, like, Humphrey was yeah, the yeah. vice president. Yeah, but vice president is not president. Yeah, true. I, I wouldn't argue with that at all. I mean, yeah, yeah. Recognition. I was just mm-hmm. trying to think of other people yeah. that have made a celeb. Judy Garland. Yeah. Well, and, oh, Judy know, Garland is probably the second. And Lindbergh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lindbergh. Yeah. Lindbergh. Mm-hmm. But question about it. Right. Back, mm-hmm. back to this. Prince, definitely high up there. And we will discuss his things. But mm-hmm. uh, Academy Award facts, like I try and do at the beginning. This is the only year that all Best Original Song nominees were on the Billboard 100. Huh. Let so they re- were pop music things as well. I will run them down. None of them are from this movie, which is a little weird. But then again... It did win for the entire score, so I guess that's fair. The winner, I Just Called to Say I Love You by Stevie Wonder. Okay. Uh, This also marked the first Academy Awards where more than one black nominee received an award because Prince and Stevie Wonder. Also nominated, Against All Odds, from Against All Odds, by Phil Collins. Footloose by Kenny Loggins. Let's Hear It for the Boy from Footloose as well, uh-huh. and Ghostbusters. <laughs> Who are you going to call? That. Yep. Hmm. So, and with Amadeus taking all the awards, this was really a Music Central Academy Awards, whether they actually mm-hmm. presented that way or not, which I don't think they did. But that's kind of a big deal. It mm-hmm. is. I enjoyed the film Amadeus. Yeah. Ooh, I did. Yeah. But sadly, we are watching a film with it was an extended music video, Ex- this film. An extended film. music video for a Prince album. And that made it insanely popular. Uh, ten times return on your investment popular. Yeah. Which is frankly unheard of with film. Uh, there are a few that we've witnessed. We, we've seen like a couple, that. but like like yeah. a lot of them, 
Yeah. The production costs get so high that to make ten times back your money, yeah. I mean, you you have to be doing like Avengers stuff, and even then, if you're making a billion dollars on an Avengers movie, they're probably spending a hundred million at yeah. least. So that's kind of crazy. There, uh, it's in the Library of Congress in 2019 in their culturally culturally significant movies. The album for the soundtrack uh, was on top of the Billboard 200, which is the album track the billboard 100 is for songs 200 is for albums uh for 24 weeks straight that's not the record would you like to guess which album was on top of the charts for 54 weeks um the eagles greatest hits no none of these are greatest okay i just thought i'd guess that was my guess i on, on top at 54 Second place is 37, by the way. It's one of Michael Jackson. Thriller, Thriller. is 37. Thriller is number two. We own that album. I thought it was pretty close. No, top of the list, West Side Story. No kidding. We were singing that just today. Wow. Yep. Also featuring at 24 Weeks, 21 by Adele, and Saturday Night Fever by the Bee Gees. Wow. Yeah. Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him at 21 Weeks. Well, okay. But back to... Prince the Musician, because this basically... We can't talk about this movie without talking about Prince, because this is basically him. I he's His occupations on Wikipedia are listed as singer-slash-songwriter-slash-multi-instrumentalist-slash-record-producer-slash-dancer-slash-actor. Uh, well, because he studied dance when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. His genres of music, there's... Seven, one of which is Minneapolis sound, and the rest of them are the combination of elements that make a Minneapolis sound. <laughs> uh, he recorded for seven labels. Uh, had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Well, 10, I think 11, his 12, first contract when he was nineteen. Yeah, he had fourteen associated acts, several of which were bands that he created. Uh, during his life, he released thirty-nine albums. And the vault in his house is believed to contain dozens of fully produced albums that have not been released. And over 50 music videos. Because his family's still fighting. Yeah. Uh, Who owns what? Based on songs written by him, it's over 500. With some people guessing that it's over 1,000. It's kind of crazy how much stuff he was doing. Well, I think that's part of the... Yeah. What I, I consider it to be that... That genius of creativity that you that you can't stop. You mm-hmm. can't help but do it. In 1993 is when he changed his name to the unpronounceable symbol mm-hmm. that you see on all of his things. Uh, in the midst of a contractual dispute, possibly to piss off the people he was disputing with. Uh, in 2000, he began uh, going by his own name again. He returned to mainstream prominence after performing at the Grammys in 2004. And then over the next decade, produced six top ten albums. Uh, he has the most like iconic Super Bowl performance of all time, which is kind of why I mentioned it. And it's not even his fault. He ended his set with Purple Rain, and it started raining. <laughs> while he had all the purple lights on. Wow. And you can't plan that. Like that's <laughs> like We can't give him all the credit for being good at that, but good job. Uh, he's... You're mentioning of, like, that creative genius thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, those who are running more in my circle of nerd culture 
would know of a guy by the name of Monty Ohm. Not Ohm, Ohm is how you pronounce his name. And he, uh, people who worked with him described him as sometimes as creating as if he every day was his last. Oh, like your life depends on it. And always trying new things and like pausing a project because he has a new idea and he just has to get it done. And he died after routine surgery from an unexpected uh, allergic reaction. Yeah. And like in the middle of creating one of his passion projects. Sure. And I think if Prince had died from an accidental overdose, he probably would have put out 10 more albums. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, and I think for me, that it's a, I love to see every person on this planet find that kind of passion something that they love doing, they would get up and do it all day, every day, if they got paid or not. And I just think what a better world this would be if everybody could function in that kind of zone. Yeah. Whatever you're really great at, go and do that thing. Mm-hmm. Find a job where you can do that. To me, I think that's that's like mm-hmm. a perfect world. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for us, we do have to also discuss the film at a bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Unfortunately for all of you in podcast yeah. land, it's not a great movie. The fact that it was only nominated for one award did not come as a surprise to any of us. We no. uh, normally will initiate our discussion much about actors in a film. Not well, going to do we, that. We can in brief because other than Apollo, Apollonia, who was it? She was a model. She was a model. A, she and, was a beauty pageant queen and a model, and then became Prince's girlfriend. And she's not. I don't the know best if she singer. even got the to be the girlfriend. She was the girlfriend in this film. Uh, she was definitely. She the was girlfriend married in the at film. the time of the film. Yeah, definitely married. Yeah. So. Uh, but most of the other uh, supporting cast are either members of Prince's band mm-hmm. or friends slash musical talents related to Prince. Morris Day, who is kind of the main main antagonist he's an antagonist he's not an he's he's opposed to prince in this film i definitely i grew up with prince Mm -hmm. they performed together and their bands performed together his bodyguard is jerome benton who in the film plays jerome you'll note that everybody in the film has the same name as their their real real name name (laughs) because thinking is hard I uh, actually was like the backstage manager for Time for Morris for Morris Day and the Time, and at one point during a performance, Morris Day asked someone to bring him a mirror. So he pulled the mirror out of the club's restroom and brought it on stage so Morris Day could comb his hair. At this point, he became a comic foil to Morris Day in real life and performed dancing and backup vocals. At one point, fake playing the bass when their bassist wouldn't show up, and Prince actually played bass backstage so no one could see that it was the wrong guy. Oh, so when they are doing sla- goofy stuff on screen, it's because that's who they were that's in really real them. life. They weren't, it wasn't necessarily acting. Yeah, but that's why that those characters are acting that way in the movie is because that's the that's, way they were in real their- life. Because the character was written for them. Yes, because it was them. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. I, I noted that in those situations, they looked very natural, like this is their thing. When there was just 
shall we say, normal dialogue for the movie, it was extremely lame. This is definitely <laughs> this is definitely on the lines of, and this is going to veer into another popular thing I like that you might not necessarily know about, but the world of professional wrestling. This is something that comes up with that a lot because there are often characters in that arena where sometimes if you just catch them off guard and you're like and you ask them a question they have to pretend to be their character and they answer it very well then they come out on stage and they pick up the microphone and you can tell that someone has written words for them to say and they say them really badly Mm -hmm. because it's just they're not good at being the character someone else has asked them to be they're good at being the character they want to be and these guys yeah you're right they're very good at being the character they want to be but not the character someone else asked them to be. I mean, you can tell when they're on stage, they're being like they're on stage. But yeah. there were plenty of cases where it was just plain dialogue yeah. and you think, oh, come on. Really? Yeah. That's the best you can do? No, the best <laughs> the best performance in the film is the performances. Right. Because that's people getting to do what they're good at. Uh, Wendy and Lisa is in the film are Wendy and Lisa who are actually part of his band. And I did look up the song Purple Rain because I was curious in the movie... Wendy and Lisa write the song. In real life, scroll down, composition, it was originally written as a country song to be performed with Stevie Nicks. Yeah. Well, he wrote it and then asked her to do the lyrics. Yep. Yeah. And she said, I can't do it. It's too much. Because he sent her 10-minute instrumental Purple Rain and said, can you do lyrics for this? (laughs) Uh, So he was... I. So then they back. came back and they jammed. Yep, they were playing it at a rehearsal. And then Wendy started basically playing along with electric guitar instead of country stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's when the song took a turn and he was more performing it with his band. And so, yeah, Wendy actually did help. Mm-hmm. I, According to him, the meaning is when there's blood in the sky, red and blue is purple. Purple rain pertains to the end of the world and being with the one you love and letting your faith slash God guide you through the purple rain. It's a good song. Lots of good music in this film. So can I talk about my my uh, my past? You can definitely talk about your past. She, For those of you who can't see the podcast because we still aren't filming it, she got out a picture of... What, October 1986. What I would describe as her and her siblings wearing silly outfits. There you go. So... In October of 1986, my sister and I went to help my brother uh, recover after an emergency uh, medical procedure. And uh, she and I being, you know, young married people and our brother being a single guy living in a bachelor apartment, we were we then tasked with cleaning said bachelor apartment to get it ready for him to come home from the hospital. And for me... Being a classical music person, I was not, uh, in the early 80s, I did not follow popular music. I didn't watch Purple Rain. I didn't, I knew about Prince, but I didn't really know his music at all. But that those four or five days that I was cleaning my brother's apartment, we watched a lot of MTV. Oh, yeah. And I got this huge education into this, the music video industry and how 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 much of an effect it had on the popular music industry and then even flipped around the other way the popular music industry and the video music industry and it was 
something that I had no idea existed. And that was 1986. So this 1984 movie was really, really an extended music video. Mm -hmm. Groundbreaking in the whole realm of music with uh, a visual story going on behind it and giving people more than one way to experience the music not not just auditory but visual and that's the, that's all i could think of through this whole film is that this was just one really really long music video yeah and most artists don't get to have that they, they get don't one you get a couple music videos per album maybe if it's if you're really popular or you're, producing, you're Taylor Swift or you're producing them yourself right right but getting someone else to produce music videos for you costs money and well, and music. this is something that Prince, he wanted to do. He wanted to be in a movie. And I think that was, um, at this mm -hmm. point in time, I think that was fairly unusual. Yeah. So it wasn't just that he wouldn't record another album. He would not renew his contract at all. Wow. Until, in, until he got to be in a movie. And every studio they went to said, a musician-led movie? Are you kidding? That's dumb. And to be fair, what we got out of it would... You know, if it wasn't Prince leading it, if it was some other musician mm -hmm. with a movie this poorly written, <laughs> yeah. right, right, would not have made seventy million dollars. It would not have. This only made that much money because Prince was. Well, they got Warner Brothers to pony up something. Yeah, at least for distribution. Uh, anyway. At least for distribution and marketing. Yeah. yeah, this was. I mean, in in the whole mu movie thing and the the good movies that we've watched for this podcast, this was not a great movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you like Prince, watch it. Well, they probably own it. <laughs> yeah. If you like right, Prince. Right. Yeah. So, interestingly, so Apollonia 6 is the name of her group. Mm -hmm. Do you know why? Because she took over for somebody. She took over for Vanity. Oh, yeah. Leader of the girl group, Vanity 6. Uh, <laughs> which was a band that Prince had put together in 1981. Okay. But she left, and then when another person stepped in... They just changed the character, but they didn't change the band name. And so when Apollonia 6 came around to actually putting out their debut album, it mm -hmm. must have looked very weird. <laughs> also, there weren't six of them. Hmm. There know, were three. It's okay if you can't count. We've spoken Grandpa, of... Grandpa wants to talk. Grandpa wants to turn. No, I don't know. I, I was just volunteering as one who can't count. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily for us, because this is something that previously we haven't gotten to talk about, and it's something that in previous podcasts we've discussed before, and this is one of my favorite silly things that doesn't matter at all in film because it's even less rigorous than the Academy Awards and would make a very much more interesting podcast for us. It's the Razzie Awards. Which I, we've never talked about on a podcast, I don't believe. I, we did with the... I with, our, with the Liam Neeson one. There's definitely some stinkers in there, like Battleship. Yeah. That was bad. Battleship was a stinker. But the Golden Raspberry Awards, their full name, is a parody award show honoring the worst in cinematic <laughs> underachievements. Or the best in underachievement? No, worst in underachievement. The worst in underachievement? Yep. Oh, dear. I, the statuette is a golf ball-sized raspberry atop a mangled Super 8 film reel spray-painted gold with an estimated street value of four ninety-seven. <laughs> that's not four hundred ninety-seven. That's four ninety-seven. Four ninety-seven what? Dollars. <laughs> USD. Four dollars and ninety-seven. The first Golden Razzies was held in nineteen eighty-one. 
to proceed, honor the perceived worst films of 1980. To date, Sylvester Stallone has 10 awards. Most, most awarded actor and Madonna has 9. Hmm. And for this film, it was nominated, though did not win, for Worst New Star for Apollonia and Worst Original Song for Her Song. Okay. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. That's terrible. And I will say that around all of the good Prince stuff mm-hmm. and the genuinely good plot idea of the movie and the bad acting yeah. around it, she was kind of the worst at all times. Yeah. She was not great. It was... Is This, nah. might, this might be the overall lowest quality, like, oh, from a filmmaking standpoint, mm-hmm. this is probably the worst one we've watched so far. For this In, podcast. For this podcast? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Quite easily. Yeah. If we were looking at this as a good film that the critics would, you know, should this win Best Picture or not, heavens now. Mm-hmm. It had good production elements in it, a.k.a. the music. The music was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's all. Yeah. It, right. I mean, if, if you're looking for, you know, the 1984 Minneapolis music scene, this, this is, is it. This is it. This is this a... Is it. One and a half hour long historical documentary of 80s fashion and the Minneapolis sound. Yeah, that's it. Pretty much. Other than that, nah. I mean, the costumes look like looked like 80s, 80s fashion. costumes. <laughs> yeah, and in that what, culture, that and the makeup people. with the yeah. the wide swaths of eyeshadow off to, on the sides of faces. Mm-hmm. I now, did not wear my makeup like that. I'm just putting now. That we out do there. have to okay. specifically talk about a few things okay, because. Go. That's the way the podcast works. Okay, go. Cool. We've said the music is good. Extra thing one, screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> Raspberries. <laughs> like I said, the general concept of the plot was good. The writing around the writing to bring it across was not good, and then the acting on top of it made it worse. Except for the part where they were doing the who's on first skit. Oh, the who's on first that was the that doesn't belong in this film. It's too good for the movie. It was what's what's the password? The pass exactly. What's the password? Yes. What? Yes. No. What's the password again? The password is what? Yeah. <laughs> and the, and then they brought it back when he came out and he said mm-hmm. what to him, <laughs> and they just started. They were about to do the bit again, mm-hmm. and I was really hoping it would come back for the rule of three and later in the film, but it didn't. True, true. Yeah, the rule of three is. Good. So yeah, two minutes of good story, a good storytelling, and it was just Abbott and Costello. That's right. Go uh, to the classics. Yes. Yeah. Extra two best special effects. There were none. In the movie, flashing lights. There were those aren't special effects. That's (laughs) said. That's said production. Yeah. Uh, Unsurprisingly, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom got best visual effects this year because it's industrial light and magic. They're really good at this. Yes. Uh, Also nominated would be Ghostbusters and 2010 because that came around again. Uh, And the third category is best costume design. Like Mom said, not. Amazing. These were the costumes that Prince wore. Yeah. I think that the, his Purple Rain costume was uh, in the Minnesota A to Z exhibit. Probably. I think when we used to go frequently, mm-hmm. I think that was I think that was for the, the letter P, I think. Minnesota A to Z. So it was. I think the Purple Rain costume was in there. 
and it would and yeah. it would really slowly rotate yeah. and then there was an or also it was for C because then there was another one that was uh one of the princess K or a some sort of a state fair costume this dress was made out of the um the colored flap ends of one pound butter packages I'm not making this up <laughs> yeah. people so I'm not able to find anything for that specifically but there is a an article on exploreminnesota.com sure. of the 26 things you should know about Minnesota. Which is Minnesota A to Z. And P is Prince. And P is Prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that costume from the movie was in this um, tall case. And you could walk around the costume, but the costume also very slowly rotated inside. Mm-hmm. You get no points if you can guess who won best costume. Edith Head. Actually, I was just gonna. I was hoping you would say movie. Let me see who actually was the person. Oh, what, Edith the, Head might not be alive what, in 1984. Amadeus. It was Amadeus. Of Amadeus. Yeah. Th- Theodore. It was name who which is Czech, and therefore I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce the accents correctly. Oh, you. Czech painter, costume designer, set designer, and former racing driver. Wow, I, that's play hard. <laughs> that's work hard, play hard. Yeah, I, that was his Academy Award. Wow. Was well, Amadeus. The, cost- the costumes for Amadeus, yeah, for Amadeus. For Amadeus. No, no, this yeah. one was definitely just '80s fashion and Prince yeah. saying, "I want to wear this," and everyone going, "Okay, Prince." Yeah, and, <laughs> and there was in fact a costume uh, credit. There was. Him. I mean, someone had to make them. It was. Mm-hmm. I was. <laughs> but all in all, the movie about Prince was about Prince. Mm-hmm. We were not surprised. I yeah. called at the beginning; it would be very '80s, and it was. Yeah. Well, don't forget to mention that I always like to pull out the weird, trivial... Don't forget to mention Clarence Williams III. Oh, I'm sorry. I completely forgot about Clarence Williams III. The father character. Yes. The, the, the actor who played the father. The, the actually the, the actually father. other famous person in this movie. Yeah. Because he was in The Mod Squad. He was which Lincoln Hayes. I understand is a thing. It was a thing. For us old people yeah. who watched TV in the 60s. Yeah. You have to true. appreciate that. True. I remember the name, but not the faces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than that, this one, we finally got to a movie that, even if it's at your library, eh. <laughs> right, well. We have, a, our libraries have lots of copies of this, because yes. we're from Minnesota. That's yes. right. Well, I would say that for those who haven't seen the movie, and if you're at any age at all where you can think, you should go see it. Yeah. It's definitely an insight into a yeah. time and place that, if you're my age yeah. or younger... You don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it is It is an accurate representation of the time and the, the particular culture. There's no yeah. question. I did not have enough money to go to First Avenue. <laughs> did not. Oh, well. No, well, it was not our thing. So we were all Purple Rain virgins here. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> all right. Yeah, really. <laughs> really. Yeah, we want well, to... I, I'll say one more thing yeah, about... Right? about you, all three of you know my old adage about, about music will happen meet your maker. You will know you by your music. Yeah. And that will, I think about that all through this. And I don't mean that in a way. That could work. Yeah. I'm serious about that. I was not disappointed in that. You know, so they, yeah. so they acted like a bunch of... Uh, Young people. Well, <laughs> go further. they acted like a bunch of Old Testament uh, folks whose leader, strict, strict has left them for 40 days and 40 nights. He came back, he raised hands. All right. Well, we want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking most of the time. Yep. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.